This is Mick Rhodes for the Claremont Courier podcast, First Take. Here's my column, The Long Arm of the Mom. I'm an only child. Mom had me in November 1963, then decided hmm, she was good. Dad was gone by the time I was out of diapers, but that's a story for another day. I applaud Mom's chutzpah, though it was more likely blind luck. In gambling, I'd not disappoint her so much as to require another child. I myself have four kids, thus maximizing my chances of having one or more that will put up with me and drive me for tacos when I'm no longer able, and, if I'm truly lucky, will help when things get real dicey at the end, as they often do. Mom must have had close to no extra money when she was raising me. We didn't have a nice car. We rented a series of houses and apartments throughout my childhood, and still, I felt spoiled. Her love wasn't secret. It wasn't withheld or conditional. She was a hugger, a sharer, and a full-time, unwavering supporter. I learned from a very early age that you let the people you love know it, every day and often, both in word and in action. Mom's love never waned, even when I was a jerk teenager and kept her up till dawn waiting for me to return from my latest punk rock misadventure. I became an apprentice adult somewhere around 22. I was a late bloomer, to put a rose-colored spin on it. Even so, Mom was still taking care of me then. My best friend still ribs me about a day when we were visiting Mom at her Pomona home. As we rose to leave, she asked me, Do you need some money, sweetheart? My friend was astounded a 20-something's mom could offer up such kindness. She also thought I was kind of ridiculous. She was right, of course, on both counts. I married at 23, and Mom was all in. Divorced a few years later, she was still right there. Married again in 1999, and she was as supportive as ever. When the babies started arriving a couple years later, it was uber grandma time. She'd take them for overnights at her place and then drive out to our place in Venice for regular visits. I always knew I'd hit the mom mega super jackpot, but not until my own kids were born did it truly hit home. In 2007, I was diagnosed with cancer. It was bad, but, but treatable. I was radiated. My surgeon cut out the tumor. Then I was hit with some more radiation. Mom was there for all of that, too. But soon after that, things began to shift. Mom began to feel ill herself and was diagnosed with breast cancer. She, too, had radiation and surgery. This time, I was there for her. She bounced back, mostly, but her effervescence was clearly in decline. In the summer of 2008, we moved to Claremont, ostensibly for the great schools, but also to help mom. It turned out to be a well-timed change. In 2010, my grandfather, with whom mom had lived since my grandmother's 1988 death, he died at 96. He'd lived a long life, but it was a very rough and painful final couple of years. Then, in 2012, mom's beloved best friend and only surviving sister, Judy, died of pancreatic cancer. She was never the same after that. Depression, which had been nipping at her heels for years, 
now took a firm hold. She'd perk up when we managed to pry her out of her house, but it was increasingly difficult. Her grandkids would visit and spend the night, but she was losing her enthusiasm for most everything. Then, my own family fractured in 2013 when my wife and I split up. With mom's physical and mental health deteriorating, she would still ask how I was doing and if I needed anything. I toggled between being virtually no good to her at all and cherishing her, consumed with parenting three small children through a tumultuous, protracted divorce. Mom's breast cancer recurred in 2016. Much to my disappointment, she refused treatment, telling her oncologist she didn't have another battle in her. They gave her three to six months. I spent all the time I could with her, and for a while, allowed myself to forget what was coming. And she did too, for as long as she could. I moved in with her after Christmas 2016, when it became clear she needed round-the-clock help. She outlasted her prognosis, dying at home January 7th, 2017, after making it through one final holiday season with her grandchildren. It turned out what I'd thought was temporary became permanent. Mom left me her home, and my kids joined me there. One of the many things she collected were photos. Her house was full, ancient, delicate, sepia-toned great-great-uncles and aunts and cousins, glossy 1940s snapshots of her and her sisters, some of her mother and handsome father, blurry 1970s family picnics, lots of me, her grandchildren, and everything in between. It took some time to make mom's home ours. The process was still well underway in March 2020. The first pandemic project I undertook in the bad old quarantine days of late March and early April 2020 was to create a family and friends wall of love in the hallway. One by one, I took everything down mom had hanging there. Over two days, I replaced them with photos of my own life, my own children and loved ones. And I rehung several of mom's treasured images as well. Nearly two years later, the wall of love has grown and mom's house feels even more like ours. Soon I'll be married again and my fiance Lisa and two of her children will join me and my two school-aged kids in our small 1954 home. Going from three to six has necessitated an expansion, and with my betrothed help, we're clearing out a lifetime of old boxes from the garage in anticipation of converting it to living space. Much of the stuff is mine, but about a third of it was mom's, including a massive trove of, yeah, photos. As Lisa and I were pouring through the mountain of stuff once deemed important enough to stash away, we began pulling photos out of their frames and placing them in flat file storage. One of those mementos, an old-timey black-and-white department store snap of a very young me in a very jaunty sailor suit, had been on display in Mom's home since I can remember. Embarrassed by it as a kid, as I aged and had kids of my own, I'd come to appreciate its innocent 1960s cuteness. It felt wrong to separate it from its frame, but archiving hundreds or even thousands of family photos, it was a necessary task. As I pulled open the old frame, I was instantly transported back to that day in the 1990s when mom asked 20-something me if I needed any money. Something caught my attention that was a visceral reminder of her lifetime of loving, selfless care. It was a crisp $100 bill. The tears came then, 
Of course she left $100 for me behind a photo she knew I'd likely take down. Of course she did. I felt her reach through these past five years into our lives without her and give me a hug and a kiss on the cheek. Do you need some money, sweetheart? No, Mom. I'm good. But it's sure nice to hear from you again. This has been Mick Rhodes for the Claremont Courier Podcast, First Take. Thanks for listening.